So this past summer, uh, my wife and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary, which I think I've told you guys before. Um, I said that in the second service, and some people clapped. It was kind of like a little golfer's clap. Um, Because what I realized is there's folks in that service that have been married twice that long. It's like, oh, yeah, 25, good job. You're you're finally getting there, all right? Um, And uh, so we decided in September of 18 that she and I were going to go to Disney World without our kids, all right, Um, the next September. Now, uh, how many of you are a planner when it comes to vacation? Raise your hand. Man, I saw somebody's hand. I won't call them by name. I saw somebody's hand. Hand went boom, all right? You know you're the planner of vacation. You, You get it all figured out. You get the details. And here's how I work. September of 18, we start planning. We start making decisions. And this is where we want to go. This is when we want to go. The more details I know, the more excited I get. And I don't know if that's how you are as a planner or even as a recipient of a planner. You go to your spouse or you go to somebody who's planning a vacation for you and they go, oh, this is what's ahead. Or even if it's just a weekend or a day off and you go, oh, man, this is what I know about my day off. This is my plan. We get excited because we are prepared for what's to come. What I feel is my responsibility this Christmas season is to prepare you for something you already know, and that is the message and the story of the birth of Jesus. And I feel it's my responsibility to help prepare you spiritually and to have you begin to plan and prepare and think and wait and turn your hearts toward. Although every day we can read the message of the birth of Jesus Christ, my desire is that you're so prepared for it this coming Christmas that on Christmas Day, like no other, you wake up and you go, but I just want to read the story. I'm prepared. And so I want to give you as many details as I can that build up to that moment, if that makes sense. So in order to do that, to build up to that moment that we read out of Luke chapter 2 or in Matthew chapter 4, I mean Matthew chapter 1 and 2, we read through the birth of Jesus that I want us to back way up and give you details that are going to prepare you. Now, one of the tools that um, we made available, they're already all gone, sorry, third service, it happens sometimes, all right, uh, is a book called Unwrapping the Names of Jesus. Um, it is a, a simple guide. If you just type in Unwrapping the Names of Jesus on Amazon or wherever else you shop, um, you can get that to you prime, all right, by Tuesday, okay? Um, and uh, we would love for you to, to join with us. This is going to walk us through preparing our hearts for Christmas each and every day. But if you don't have it, we're still going to walk through that. We're still going to get prepared because it builds a sense of anticipation, Now, my birthday is December 29th, um, which means Christmas and birthday sometimes get all misconstrued and put together, right? Uh, And so when I was turning 16, it was going to be four days after Christmas, which would have been the perfect Christmas for a what? For my mom and dad. A car, right? I mean, what better way to do that? And so I lived, my bedroom was on the second story of the house I grew up in. And so I I got up Christmas morning and I did what four-year-olds and five-year-olds do, all right, is I got up and I I, I looked out the window because you can't hide that under a you know, underneath the tree. And so I I got up and I looked out the window and I could see the majority of the driveway and there was no car there. I thought, boy, they're really hiding this one. 
I looked up and down the road at the neighbor's driveways. I looked across the street at the best friend's driveway. There's no car there. The reason there was no car there is because there was no car there. There was none on Christmas. But I was prepared. I was leaning into, looking over. And this is where I want us to be this morning is looking over into the story of the birth of Jesus. Now, in order for us to do that, we're going to back way up. We're not even going to just go back to the Old Testament. We're going to go back beginning real quickly to the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis chapter 12, there's a a promise spoken to God's children that from one person and from one family, there would continue to be this family name would continue to spread. Genesis chapter 12, verse one through three says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of earth shall be blessed. Doesn't sound like Christmas at all. But what I want us to see is that there are promises that are spoken to the children of God that come true in the person of Jesus. There are promises that are given to the children of God in the Old Testament when they are enslaved and they're set free in their their time of freedom. They've been enslaved for 400 plus years and then God does miracles to bring them out of that when they cross the Red Sea on dry land. That there's moments that are recorded for these people, God's children, God's family. God has been moving among them, but they've been waiting. And they've been waiting for this promised Messiah to come. Now, I know Christmas, for some of you kids, sounds like it's a long way off. If you're a child in the room, maybe you're an adult and you still still think it's a long way off. It's 24 days away. And I know, like, for a five-year-old, if you're in the room, that sounds like a long, long way away. But it'll be here before you know it. But what if I were to tell you this morning, whether you're a five-year-old or a 50-year-old, what if I were to tell you that the greatest present that you could ever ask for or hope for is coming, but it's going to be 700 years away? You go, I don't don't think I can wait that long. I mean, I'm not going to make it that long. My great, 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 keep on going. They're not going to make it that long. That's the promises spoken to the people of Israel. That there would be a Messiah that would come. And that Messiah would bring hope as hope had never been experienced. It would bring light. He would bring joy. He would bring peace. He would bring miracles. That something was coming, but they were going to have to wait. Isaiah chapter 40 There's a gentleman by the name that we're looking at, a few passages that he penned for us through the voice of God. His name is Isaiah. He's a prophet, and prophets spoke about what was to come. What's interesting about Isaiah, for you English, um, your English folks in the room, I chose folks over nerds, but then I just said nerds, so um, we'll just go with folks, all right? You English folks in the word, in in here, um, what's very interesting about Isaiah is numerous times... Isaiah wrote in something called the perfect past tense. Now, I know you go, man, that sounds super confusing. He wrote about things in the future as if they had already happened. 
So he was a prophet saying things about what was to come, but he was so sure of them that he wrote about them as if they had already happened. This is fairly significant, right? He's not guessing and saying, I think it's going to happen, therefore I'm going to write it about the future. He says, no, it has happened. I'm so sure of it, but it's coming in the future. These are promises that God has given him. And one of those happens in Isaiah chapter 40. It says, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, again, in 2019, you go, well, pastor, I, I'm not real sure how that Im- Im- impacts my marriage or my Christmas. Here's, here's what I'm wanting you to see. As we think of the Luke chapter 2, Jesus in a manger, I want you to connect it to what was foretold thousands of years before. That this moment in the manger would equate to that there would never, had never been and would never be an equal to Jesus, ever. There would never be a greater moment in all of history than what we're going to anticipate and prepare for this Christmas season. And even to the point that Isaiah says, listen, there's going to come a moment where everything is going to change. What's high is going to be made low. What's low is going to be made a plain. Something is about to happen. And the Lord has spoken these things. And Isaiah is writing these things. So many of these prophecies are written in the book of Isaiah. Let me put it into comparison. That for all of them to come true, we would go, well, that's a lot of, there's a lot of prophecies in the book of Isaiah that come true in the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus are prophesied thousand years before There's so many of them that it would be equivalent. I've shared this with you before. It would be the equivalent if we sat down this afternoon and we printed off a 2019-20 NCAA tournament bracket and you could fill out all the teams, all the winners, the national champion, not only the national champion, but the name of the coach, the players of the coach, the name of the mother of the coach for 2,719. Well, pastor, that's impossible. Pastor, there's just no way. I mean, I couldn't even do that for this year's tournament. If I could, I could make a lot of money, but it's, it's, it's not possible for me to do that. That's what I want you to see is that as you celebrate Luke chapter two, Jesus Christ born in a manger, all of these things are true in that moment. Now, one of the passages that's often read at Christmas that, I don't know that I've ever explained to you and rarely do I think it's been explained to me, happens in the book of Isaiah. It happens in chapter nine and it is verse one through seven. Now this is, there's some language here that in some names of some towns here that may sound insignificant to you, but they are very significant to our bigger picture, our preparing for Christmas Verse 1 says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali 
But in later time, he made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. So he's saying that in the past, this region of the world was bleak, was without hope, was dark. He goes on. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. These are verses, prophetic verses, looking forward. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, And every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Merry Christmas. Right? I mean, the only thing about Christmas that might depict this is Black Friday shopping, right? I mean, there's some trampling of people that are... That's not what the reference is to, okay? This is written thousands of years ago, a thousand years approximately before the life of Jesus... And he's writing to say, this region of the world was dark, was desolate, was broken, but it's going to be restored. These are actually verses, although it doesn't sound like it much to you and I, these are verses of extreme hope. He's saying, there is a light to come. There is a future. There is a change that's about to occur. Then verse 6 and 7, again, we're familiar with these verses. For unto us a child is born... To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and we will call his name Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Prince of Peace. You go, well, that's Jesus. Yes. It's a picture of, it's a pointing toward. And Isaiah is saying, I know this to be true. I'm going to write it as if it's already happened. This is true. This is Jesus. This is who's to come. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Will do this. Isaiah is saying, God is going to take this broken, weary land that a people that he's writing to and he's gonna bring light to your darkness. He's gonna bring hope to your despair and that hope is gonna be the peace, it's gonna be the counselor, it's gonna be the healer, it's gonna be the provider and then it's quiet. In fact, between the last prophet that we read about in scripture and the arrival of Jesus, there's 400 years of nothing. No prophetic words, no new songs, no new writings, silence. Now, I want us to see Isaiah over here. He's preparing us for Christmas. You you may not feel like that verse prepared you for Christmas. Here's what I want to do. I want to connect the dot to to Matthew chapter 4. But don't forget that he talked about this Zebulun, Naphtali, Sea of Galilee. He talked about this region being broken and without despair. 
Fast forward to Jesus. He's been born. He is living. He is walking. He is teaching. He's performing miracles. And then Matthew chapter four, verse 13, I get so excited about this verse. And it says this, and leaving Nazareth, Jesus went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of what? Zebulun, don't try to say it. Everybody will be messed up. And Naphtali. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Jesus didn't randomly head to Zebulun. Jesus didn't wake up one morning and go, you know, guys, I think the day there is a purpose for my steps, for his going, and what is it? It is to fulfill this prophecy so that we now can look backwards and we can see that the coming, the arrival of Jesus and his very steps and the places that he went fulfilled the promises that God had given to his people. And now they're for you. Because what did Jesus do? He, he stepped back into history this broken, weary, hopeless, dark land, and he stepped into it, bringing light in the darkness, hope where there was none, joy where there was brokenness. The waiting was over. The Messiah had come. There would be no equal. There would be no rival as we've sung before. You have no rival, you have no equal. It's because there is no other name, there is no other prophet, there is no other teacher, there is no other religious leader in history that fulfills the prophecies of thousands of years. There is no other. So hope for you and for me this Christmas season has a name. And that name is Jesus. Hope for you this Christmas season has a name. And that Name is the name that we proclaim, the name that we sing. It is the name of Jesus. There is no better foundation for our lives because of these truths that we've seen this morning and that we'll see in the future. There's no better foundation for our lives than the promises of God from cover to cover. There's teachings about who Jesus is, where he came from, how he came there, why he went there, why this took place, why to fulfill the promises of God. And they are trustworthy and true. He's a descendant of David, born in the city of David, born to a virgin. Many more that we can look at. His name is Jesus. And even when all hope seems lost, Do you ever look around? Do you ever look and watch the news and think, there's just no hope anymore? If you don't, you're not watching the same news and reading the same feeds that I'm reading. But hope has a name. It is Jesus, that when all hope seems lost, Jesus is the Messiah who proves God fulfills all of his promises. And because of that, we can prepare for Christmas with excitement and with anticipation. We can lean into, we can peek over history. The beauty is we don't have to look forward to see 
the coming of the Messiah that the nation of Israel, the people of Israel waiting. Instead, we can look behind and look in his word and say, so this is how you've come. This is how you've moved. We don't have to sit in despair over evil in the world, broken and saddened by it, absolutely. But we can speak of those things with a glimpse of hope. It's found in Jesus. In 1774, Charles Wesley, along with his brother, wrote a lot of hymns. One of those is one that some of you are familiar with. I'm not going to sing it today. Um, Got all this junk going on up here, and I don't know what that would sound like, but I want to read the lyrics for you this morning. Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. Now, you've probably sung this before, and you've gone, what in the world are they talking about? Naphtali, Zebulun, Galilee, Israel, you're going to get it, all right? Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation. So now Charles Wesley's reaching way back and he said, it was their consolation. And he's saying, now it's the hope of all the earth that there ever will be there are. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. Hope has a name, and that name is Jesus, and that hope desires a relationship with you. And as Wesley wrote, born to reign in us forever. The God, the creator of the universe, put Jesus Christ into this place to to live, to die, to suffer, to be raised from the dead. Why? So we could experience the grace and mercy of God. And so that we can look backwards in history and say, God has been preparing a way throughout these years. And these promises have come true. And he is now living in me. Hope has a name. It's not the name of a pastor. It's not the name of a church. It's not the name of your spouse. It's not the name of your bank account. It's not the name of your retirement plan. Hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. And we're going to see as we walk through this month together that Jesus is given a lot of names to give meaning to that name, Jesus. He's called Wonderful Counselor. He's called Mighty God. He's called Everlasting Father. He's called the Prince of Peace. He's called the Resurrection and the Life. He's called the Truth. He's called the Life. He's called the Way. He is called the Lion of Judah. He's called the Holy One. He's called the Lord of Lords, the Vine, the Bread of Life, the Good Shepherd, the Lamb of God, the Hope of the World. And hope has a name for me and hope has a name for you. And that name is Jesus. And please this morning, hear me this morning that if you believe and you're placing your hope in something other than the person and the teachings and the life and a relationship with Jesus Christ, it will fail you. It will not give you all it's promised. It will not deliver all that it tells you it will. But there is a hope. And that hope has a name. And thank God it's not a pastor. It's not the name of a building. Hope has a name. 
And it's Jesus. Jesus who Isaiah said, this will happen because the zeal of the Lord says it's going to happen. And it's going to happen through the person of Jesus. And this life has taken place. So this morning, I, I just feel very impressed in, to ask what your hope is in. What are you anticipating this Christmas season? Is it a, is it a present under a tree? Can I just tell you, by this time next year, you won't even remember what it is. It'll either be broken, sold in a yard sale, or you'll take it back because it doesn't fit, all right? You'll forget about it. It won't bring you the hope that it's promised. Temporary joy and fulfillment, maybe, but is it as a person? Life will be this if this happens with this person. Hope has a name. It's Jesus. And I would ask if you're placing your hope in anything else, would you please walk this journey with us this Christmas and give us the opportunity and give God's word the opportunity to reveal to you that you are in desperate need of a Savior and that Savior has a name and it is Jesus. And if you know that message very well, And this is preparation for you to share with those who don't know Jesus that hope has a name.